Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 17 of This Is Our Effing Podcast, a Red Sox show. With your co-hosts, Sean McAdam and Steve Lyons, we are back for another week. We thank you for joining us. We ask again that you rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends who are Red Sox fans about it. And we thank you for your support. Uh, Steve is off on an undisclosed far-flung vacation, but nonetheless keeping very much up to date with what's going on with the Red Sox. Steve, how are you? I'm doing very well. Kind of a strange uh, game on Monday afternoon, a makeup game that was postponed from Sunday, the finale of the uh, Red Sox and Texas Rangers series uh, with one in most dramatic fashion on a walk-off by Travis Shaw in the bottom of the 11th inning, not just a walk-off, a walk-off grand slam, one of only, I think, Three in the last 40 years for the Red Sox as an organization happened uh, back in 2018 or 19, I think. And then prior to that, you have to go back to the 70s and 80s. So that's um, that's a rarity. Texas is not a very good team, um, but at least the Red Sox end up winning the series. And we're going to get to how that happened and some of the issues going on with the Red Sox. But we want to remind you. But we do have a word from our sponsor. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports books sports book expert. Um, Steve, quite a fall, uh, quite a finale to that Texas series with a little bit of everything in a game that got away from the Red Sox in the fit, in the ninth, uh, seemingly almost got away from them again in the tenth, and then they win it in the eleventh. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I don't know, maybe I do this too much, but I, I point back to championship seasons and the, the, the most, I was only involved in one of them and that was 2018. And the things that I remember about the 18 team, I mean, aside from the fact that they were flat out a great baseball team, they won 119 games that year. Uh, they, they won the games that you're supposed to win. They won when it was cold. They won when it was, you know, unfortunate for them. They won when they had to make a makeup game on. They won when it was raining on them. They, they always won when they were supposed to. And this was a game that they needed to win. It was a makeup game from the day before. It's You're playing against a team that you should be beating. It didn't look good for a while, but they ended up winning. And 
you know, there are games that you can point back to during a season if things go really well. And even if they don't, you know, you can point back and say, hey, wow, this was kind of a turning point. And I'm not saying that this is one turning point game, but there's a few of them and we've seen them this year. And, and now that we're getting late into the season, they're becoming more and more important. This was a big win for a team where after they were supposed to win it, they certainly could have lost it. And that would have been a huge loss. Yeah, I, I guess I take it um, a little differently, Steve. Um, you know, you, you always prefer a win to a loss. That much is obvious. But uh, the, the fact that they had to work so hard against a really bad Texas Rangers, a team that is, has been as bad on the road as Texas has been this year. They won 15 games on the road. And sadly for the Red Sox, one of those was Saturday night in what arguably was uh, the sloppiest and most embarrassing loss of the year. They've had frustrating losses. They've had losses where, uh, you know, it's sort of maddening to see how games get away from them. But to lose 10 to 1, make five errors that night, run into a couple of outs on the bases, and just look almost disinterested in playing Texas, a team they should roll over. And then came very close to losing again on Monday. And so ultimately you judge them, you know, did they win or did they lose? But I find it a little hard to reward them and give them a lot of credit for that game, given the quality of the opposition. Listen to you, Sean. You're getting out over your skis. You're crushing these guys. <laughs> I, I like to see it a little bit out of you. I mean, I, you know, I don't disagree at all. I'm just, I'm happy about the fact that they won, but, you know, I think that as you get deeper and deeper into the season, two of the most glaring issues for this team, when we saw this team play really good baseball earlier in the season, or let me back that up a little bit. When we saw them win a lot of games, there was an issue that I continue to look at as an issue that I thought could really hurt you in big games, and that's defense and base running. And Saturday night, you saw the worst of both. And this team has the potential to do that in big games. Now, can they go out there and turn it around and play good defense and run the base as well, pitch well, hit well, bullpen looks good, and you win game six to two? Yeah, but Saturday night wasn't one of them. Sunday we weren't playing. Monday was a game that could have gone either way. There's no question about that against a bad team. So those are the issues, I think, that really can rear their ugly head in a team that you want to think is a championship team. They won't be if those kind of problems persist. Yeah, defense is certainly something that we're going to focus on uh, in a little bit. But Steve, I, I wanted to um, just interject. I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what's helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com and use the code believe that's b-l-e-a-v at checkout you'll receive a free four ounce bottle of my smooth skin 
with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V at checkout to get in on the promotion. If it worked for Lamar, I think it can work for you too. Uh, we were discussing the, the defense and, and what has been, uh, at times, an issue for this Red Sox team, not only measured in terms of error totals, which is uh, quite high against some of the other teams in the American League, but you know it isn't, as you know, just about how many errors you make. It's about uh, turning balls in play into outs, and particularly in the infield. The outfield has been largely pretty good but the infield this year is now i think 29th out of 30 teams in converting balls in play into outs there's not a lot of range at short with bogarts he's fairly sure-handed about what he gets to but not a lot of range uh bogarts has played uh, rather devers has played much better over the last couple of months than he did in the first six weeks or two months when the errors were really piling up, he's cut down on those and uh, and done a better job going to his left. Backhand still seems to give him a little bit of problems. P.K. Hernandez, who's moved back into the infield pretty much full-time, uh, is, is not playing really well at second. He is below average looking at a lot of the defensive metrics. And Bobby Dahlbeck at first base is one of the worst fielding first baseman in either league on Monday during the makeup game. He had another throw clip off the edge of his glove. I don't mean to be mean here, Steve, but I can't remember another major league first baseman who has had as many plays like that one on Monday, where he just simply misses the ball in his glove all around the infield. It seems like there are issues and that seems like, that's a pretty tough way to try to get into the playoffs. You know, it's 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 kind of a breath of fresh air for me to listen to you talk about that because it doesn't get talked that much about with the overall defense. Like, you know, we all love Bogarts. I mean, the guy is a tremendous guy. He's a tremendous baseball player. But if there's ever been a knock on him, and, then, and, I'll, and I'll take it a step further, is that he is a little heavy-footed. You know, I went on record years ago when he was a young player that he would never be an all-star shortstop because he had heavy feet. And that he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the greatest range. If he gets to the ball, you're out. Very much like Glenn Hoffman, who's the shortstop that I played with. You know, not great range, but he made a perfect throw every time he threw the ball over there. And, you know, if he got, if he got to it, you were done. And the other thing that Bogarts does not do very well is his footwork around the bag on a double play ball. He just doesn't. It just, it's just, it, he just doesn't, you know. He, he's always trying to throw off his off foot. He doesn't do things really fundamentally correct over there. But I'm going to stop right now because I absolutely love the kid. I think he's a great baseball player. I'm just picking on two things. Devers, same thing. His range just isn't good. You know, he's a big kid over there. He is playing better. No question about it. His, you know, his error totals are down. Are down. But, you know, we're not, we're not talking about Brooks Robinson down there at third base. Second base has been a black hole all season long. Doesn't matter who you throw over there. None of those guys have been a guy who you would consider being a gold glove guy. And then I, I'm so glad that you said it because, you know, playing in the outfield, and I certainly played first base a lot. And, you know, I remember in my day, everyone said, oh, first base, no big deal. All you have to do is catch the ball that when they throw it to you. Yeah, you're right. Now, I remember playing in the outfield 
And I'd see guys chase after balls and then they'd get to it. And for some reason, once they got there, they still wouldn't catch it. I don't think ever in my life that I ever run so far to get a ball. And once I got there, it didn't catch it. <laughs> you know, if I had a chance to catch it, I'm catching it. Same thing at first base. How do you just miss balls that are thrown right to you? No short hop, no tough play, just a throw right to you. And it doesn't go in your glove. There's something wrong when that happens. Yeah. And, and it's happened you know, in my mind's eye, I can think of three or four times this year where the ball has hit Dahlbeck's glove. And, and you know, as was the case yesterday, he's trying to maintain a, a foothold on the bag uh, and he's stretching a little bit. But we're not talking about, you know, a, a throw that was 12 feet in the air. He had to reach toward the home plate side of first while maintaining his foot on the bag to record the out. And the ball just clipped off the edge of his glove like, you know, like he took his eye off it or like, you know, you're watching a five-year-old play catch in the backyard and he's not properly closing the glove around the ball when it comes. Uh, look, I'm all for allowing Dahlbeck a little bit of, uh, of grace here because this is not his natural position. He came up as a third baseman in college. Uh, I know people say that, you know, if you can uh, – make some of those in-between hops at third, then you should be able to dig throws out at first. And he hasn't been great at that, but that's going to take a little time. I just don't understand a major league player failing to quite literally catch a ball. And it's happened a handful of times this year. Um, you, you know, they keep talking about, well, can Kyle Schwarber play first and he needs more time to get comfortable. He could hardly be any worse than Dahlbeck right now. I mean, if they put him in at first base right now, I don't see how that could represent any sort of downgrade. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you and I are not the Red Sox show that sits around and bashes the Red Sox. We've been a little critical today. There's no question about it, but with good reason. And with Dahlbeck, you know, you're right. He was a third baseman, you know, but it's been a couple seasons now. It wasn't yesterday they threw him over right. at first base and said, go ahead and play. You know, it is your responsibility as a player to get better at the position you're playing. And, you know, I've, I, I have, I'm on record as saying that I think the Red Sox do that a lot with players. I think they do it too often with players where they just feel like, oh, we'll just switch his position. No big deal. Well, it is a big deal. But once that happens, I still feel that it's your responsibility as a player to play the position that the team that's paying you to play and get better at it if they ask you to do it. So, and I have, I have no idea of Bobby Dahlbeck's work ethic. I'm assuming that he's a kid that shows up and works pretty hard and tries to get better. But that is what you have to do. If you're playing a new position, you better be out there working every day at two o'clock, trying to get better at the position that they've asked you to play. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, we talk about all the uh, advanced study that now goes into Major League Baseball in 2021. There is a metric, there is some sort of analytic information about virtually every aspect of the game. And I, I think you're right. Um, the, despite all the preparation and all the study and all the data analysts that they uh, employ in baseball operations, there does seem to be a kind of, oh, defense? Eh, well, we'll figure that out. You know, it, it, everything else is given rigorous attention and study. And it seems like, and, and I'm sure there's some of this that goes into 
you know, the defensive alignments and the shifts and you do all sorts of studies on where the ball is likely to be hit, but then you're putting people in position where they're not capable of playing at even an adequate major league level. And it's cost them. It certainly cost them on Saturday when they committed a season high five errors and the defense, particularly in the infield continues to be an issue. It just looks like as we uh, get ready for Kyle Schwarber to fit into this team, uh, it, it seems like a lot of, uh, you know, they're moving a lot of square pegs into round holes to try to make things fit. And it doesn't seem to be working, whether it's starting J.D. Martinez in the outfield for six or seven straight games, which is about four or five more games than he should be playing in a row or asking Schwarber to play left field or asking Schwarber to move to first and learn on the fly. It seems like defense has become um, an area that they've overlooked and it's coming back to bite them. Yeah. Or, or, you know, asking Brock Holt to play first base or asking Mookie Betts to play right field. You know, they've, they've been blessed by the fact that they have had excellent athletes that have been able to convert and actually even be better players at the position that they changed to. But that's not the way the game works very often. It's, you know, <laughs> maybe I was a little harsh, but I almost, I called it abuse one day. You can't just take a player and abuse him and say, guess what? I know you're a second baseman, but tomorrow you're a catcher. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, you know, you, you played that position your whole life. I mean, I just said five minutes ago that you are supposed to go play the position that, that team asks you to play, but that doesn't mean you're going to be any good at it. You know, I'm a second baseman. That's where I'm supposed to play. You throw me in left field. I might not be that good. Even if I bust my ass trying to get better, doesn't mean I'm going to be a good left fielder just because you decided to throw me out there. The other issue in um, Monday's win, and it's funny how we keep talking about <laughs> issues in a game that ultimately they won in the 11th inning in dramatic fashion with Travis Shaw's, walk-off grand slam uh, and one that can't be avoided much longer and I suspect it's not going to be is the recent performance of closer Matt Barnes who uh, I think if you're keeping score this is four games that Barnes has allowed to get away from him since the beginning of August they were uh, two and two days we remember up at Rogers Center in Toronto he gave up a walk-off home run to Marcus Semyon in a tie game. Uh, the next day, he gave up uh, what was essentially a game-winning home run in the bottom of the eighth to his former UConn college teammate, George Springer. They came home. He came into a tie game with Tampa 4-4 in the ninth and quickly allowed four runs. And then in the comeback win, which is the reason that they had to go to the 10th and 11th inning in the first place, he couldn't protect a two-run lead in the ninth inning. So there's four games in the last few weeks that Barnes is directly responsible for the Red Sox losing. It seems like it's time to at least temporarily make a change there. I'm not suggesting that Barnes has lost it or this is somebody that they need to rid themselves of. They just signed him to a two-year contract extension right before the All-Star break, and he has performed marvelously in the first half but lately it's been a different story this team can't continue to give games away like it has Steve I say it's time to give Garrett Whitlock a look in that closer spot well you know if that's the direction they're headed 
you don't have to look any further than that game um, on Monday where Whitlock had to come in and change, you know, he would he come in for two and two thirds, yep. uh, got the job done with the bases loaded, kept them in the game, made sure that the game was tied when he left and gave him a chance to win. I mean, he has been everything they've asked him to be. And I'm with you. I'm not 100% down on Barnes. I just think he's going through a rough time. I mean, if you look at his numbers before the all-star break, you know, who was a better closer out there? I think every guy goes through a tough period of time where things aren't clicking. You know, you, you think you make a good pitch and it gets hit somehow. Then you make a bad pitch and it gets hit into the seats and now you're in trouble. Let's, let's remember that as a closer, Everyone thinks it's easy, and I do too. I feel like if, if you come in in the ninth inning and the score is three to one, you should be able to give up. You get three outs before you give up three runs. Should be, but it's not going to be that way every time. So a closer will blow some games. There's no question. It's, it's inevitable. It will happen. You're not going to come in there with your best stuff every time, and even when you do feel you, you have your best stuff, someone's going to hit you every once in a while. Your job is to try to dominate as best as you can. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And that's what's happening with Barnes right now. It's just, he's not getting it done right now. And they may have to look to change roles for a little while. I don't think it'll be an extended period of time. Yeah, it doesn't have to be permanent. Um, you know, we're not saying to send Matt Barnes to Siberia here. But, um, you know, a guy as accomplished as Araldus Chapman with the Yankees, he lost his closers role for a little bit. Uh, the Red Sox went with, um, uh, rather the Yankees uh, went with some other options for a while. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether it be Britain or anybody else, if you have someone that can get the job done. Uh, it, it seems silly in the middle of a pennant race where every game is one that you have to win um, to, to let games get away like that. And I, I think that, um, you know, this may seem like, uh, you know, a bit of a panic move, but when you can point to one guy being responsible for four losses in the month of August, um, it, you know, it seems like maybe it's time to, to go to someone like Whitlock. Ordinarily, I would say Ottavino is your guy because he obviously has far more experience than Whitlock. He has done the job occasionally, at least, in both Colorado and with New York. Um, he's got a few saves with the Red Sox this year. But like Barnes, he's going through a bit of a rough patch. Whitlock is a guy that has done everything that's been asked of him. He made the team as a Rule 5 guy when he wasn't supposed to. He started the year as a multi-inning reliever in one-sided games, pitched himself into that circle of trust where he was a guy that they used in high leverage spots. He has not shrunk from any assignment. I do not think he's going to be bothered by the pressures of the ninth inning. We saw him having to warm up in a hurry and come in, inherit two base runners on Monday and get out of a second and third jam to preserve the tie and then give them two more solid innings. I don't think there's anything that you could present to this kid that would overwhelm him. So he seems like the logical guy. Yeah. And Alex Cora is his manager and Alex Cora I, you know, I hesitate to say more than any other manager out there because there's a lot of guys that go with their instincts. But Alex Cora loves to go with the hot hand. He does it offensively. If the guy's swinging the bat well, he's going to be in the lineup no matter what. It doesn't matter, you know, lefty, righty, uh, platoon situation. If the guy gets hot, Alex Cora is going to ride that guy until he's not hot anymore. So why wouldn't he do it 
with his pitching staff. You know, you're in a situation where one guy's failing a little bit right now. You go with the hot hand. Yeah, and, and Whitlock has been so impressive in that no matter what they've asked him to do, he's been able to do it. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're coming up on September here, and this guy has an ERA of like 164. Um, he's had 23 or four appearances in which he has pitched more than an inning and not allowed a run. Um, and as I said, I don't see this as permanent. It's not like they're going to go to spring training next year with Garrett Whitlock as their closer. I fully expect that A, Whitlock will be in the rotation next spring and that B, Matt Barnes will again be the closer. Heck, Matt Barnes could again be the closer in two or three weeks if he works through some of these issues. I just don't think you can go with him right now the way he's going and where every game is counting. Yeah, I mean, changes have to be made at times during the lineup. You know, everyday players sometimes have to sit down for a few days to, you know, clear their head. You know, you take you get some guy, you take him out of the role he's used to for just a bit to clear his head, and then you get him back in there, and, you know, things improve. Yeah, and Barnes is a guy who's, you know, been in the big leagues a long time now. He's had his ups and downs. He's been the closer. He's lost the job of closer. Remember, uh, they initially went to him at the start of 2019, and he was going to be that rover closer who would come in regardless of whether it was the ninth inning. That didn't work out. They turned to Workman. You know, Barnes strikes me as a guy who's pretty mentally tough. I don't think it's going to rock his confidence or reduce his ability if he has to give up the ninth inning for a few weeks, and someone else does that job. Um, But, you know, there's a sense of urgency here. And uh, it seems to me that, that, that there's got to be a change in the ninth inning. You can't keep giving the ball to a guy who's not getting the job done in that particular role. I agree. You know, I, you know, I think with the contract extension, he's being paid like a closer. He wakes up every morning thinking that he's a closer. Even if he gets taken out of that role for a little while he will be working his way back to being a closer. Yeah, you know, that's an excellent point, Steve. He does have the security now of knowing that he's got a contract for the next two years. If he hadn't signed that and is heading toward free agency and you're asking him to step aside from the role he had a month before he hits the market, maybe that plays with his head a little differently. He knows that this is temporary. He knows they've committed to him for the future. And that, to me, makes it a little easier to make that change. Well, we've we've outlined what has to be done. It's a matter of whether Alex Cora is listening and is going to act on our suggestions. We'll be able to review that at this time next week. Um, we thank you again for listening. Ask you to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Steve, uh, enjoy your trip. We'll meet up again next week and see where things are then. I look forward to it. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.